The best of times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana. Celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The best of times. Your host, Gary Caligas. Good morning, Arkansas listeners. I'm Gary Caligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning into our show today and also thanking those who are listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn about the availability of hospice care services in the area. Area. So stay tuned to the show for some very beneficial and important information for you and your loved ones. It is Saturday, November the 11th, and we're broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Kiel, a Town Square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. When apply, uh, uh, ask my. Uh, uh, apologies to all of my radio listeners out there. Gary has a little cold that he caught uh, traveling a little bit for the past few days, so I'm going to apologize to everyone that I'm sounding a little hoarse. Luckily, I haven't lost my voice yet, but I do have a major congestion uh, nose nose issue here today, so I'm going to be sounding a little bit different, and I'm, I'm sure my producer is going to be watching in case I cough or do other particular items as well. Be sure to pick up the November issue, the best of times, at one of our 522 distribution locations. We thank you for the many compliments about our magazine, and we do appreciate hearing from you. If you're unable to find a copy, remember, you can go to our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues of our magazine, as well as downloading previously broadcast radio shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. We want to thank you again for attending the 8th Annual Senior Day Expo that occurred on Thursday, October the 26th in the Hearst Coliseum at the Louisiana State Fair. We had a record attendance of over 2,000. 1,500 persons of all ages. We gave away a record number of door prizes, totaling about 275. We had remarkably great entertainment throughout the day and on stage. We had over 100 exhibitors providing lots of important information about their products and services. Plus, we gave away two fabulous door prize packages. The one winner was a $200 prize package, which was won by Gary Lafitte of Shreveport. And our grand door prize consisted of a 10-day trip for two persons to the to the nation of China. This was donated by our friends at Nexus Holidays and was won by a loyal radio listener and a reader of the best of times, Miss Velma Johnson of Benton, Louisiana. Congratulations to Miss Velma. And Gary on winning our fabulous door prize packages. Remember to visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com for announcements made during today's radio show, as well as information about upcoming events, activities, and news that you can use. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears, Tending Country at Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram, and Jeep Dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Keel. 
Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A Bears, Tenning Country at Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today are two special guests. I have Miss Dr. April Patton and Miss Amanda Rogers, and they're both with the regional hospice care group here in the Shreveport and Bossier City area and in Minden, and they're going to be discussing about hospice care services. Thank you, ladies, for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Gary. So this month of November is National Hospice Month, and uh, that's to honor all the hospice workers, the hospices throughout the nation, and is it international? I can't remember if it's international. I know it's something. Yeah, it's national. It's, it's to give awareness for hospice because hospice needs to um, be talked about and people need to be educated about hospice. And so it gives hospice a platform to celebrate and talk about what we do and give families options of, of, for hospice care. Amanda, that's why I wanted to have this show. So to add in that education because I feel it's increasing, but it's still a lot. I still have people. Dr. Patton to tell me, you know, why do I need hospice for my mother? Yeah, it's incredibly underutilized. And we need to improve it and tell them it's not, it's not the situation. We're going we're gonna to talk about some of the issues here, that the positive issues, but there are very few negative issues involved. But uh, it's it's available out there, and hopefully more and more physicians are knowing. I was telling uh, an individual, I think I, and I was telling Tony here, uh, about my situation with my grandmother many years ago, that the physician, uh, in essence, in too many words or less, refused her. She says, just admit her to the hospital, and she can die there. Oh, and wow. the family wanted it be at home, which we knew about. I was a home care administrator. And, and I said, Doc, you know, can I have a second opinion here? He said, right. well, if you want to do it, you can do it. Yes. Find, your, find your own agency. Well, that's a, we did that real quickly. But, you know, that, that physician was an old-time physician, and he treated her for years and knew it was going to be, but never known. But no, and you're absolutely right. There's a lack of awareness, not just with the community, but with um, the medical professional community as well. But it was a great experience for my grandmother as well as my uh, my, my in-laws and my wife and others. She was at home all those several months. It was several months she was in the hospice. It was great. And the, the hospice care nurses were just totally well. And then we're going to talk about this. The added added aspect of bereavement, which my mother-in-law and father-in-law and the relatives didn't know that was going to be part of the situation, was remarkable. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that really consoled them. I mean, yeah, absolutely. We've got patients that we admit just for the sake of they they want the bereavement following the death for their family members and so you don't realize what all you get as soon as you sign up so Healthcare, you you mentioned here, it's really changed, hadn't we? Uh, yes, it has dramatically changed. Not and, all in good ways. And and we're we're trying to try to take care of ourselves, but try care to be the caregiver to take care of others. Is that right? We are, and we're trying to be proactive instead of reactive. Um, and we're trying to change with the culture, but there are some um, major roadblocks in the process. And some of those roadblocks include. Education, awareness, uh, provider time. You know, it, you just, uh, there are some, some blocks when it comes to how much time the physician can truly spend with the patient to get to know what the goals are, what the expectations are, what they truly want. Well, that, that's true. I mean, my, my son's a physician. He's telling me that he gets forced by others and, you know, about how long he wants to see the patient much, much longer. But Absolutely. Some, but yeah, other 15 people, minutes appointment can only cover so much. Yeah, and that's, and that's beyond, beyond belief. And some, right. some of you physicians, wonderful, you know, want to do that extraordinary type of patient care but sometimes you're 
constrained. I mean, Absolutely. you have so many patients to see in a certain time period. It's, it's, it's totally not feasible. It's not feasible. Not feasible. And one of the key things, too, Gary, that's missing is asking families and patients what they want. So a lot of times we're seeing that families are coming to us and saying, nobody's asked us what it is that we want. And that's, oh. a, that's a key aspect of what we're trying to do is have a care plan that's centered around what their wishes are. And, and the situation is when the physician makes that possible determination. I mean, why wouldn't a family want their loved one to be at their home in their, in their last day? I think it's obvious what they want if you ask it in black and white questions. But the reality is that those are difficult conversations to have. And they take a considerable amount of time. And a lot of physicians are afraid to ask a question that they don't necessarily have the answer for. And so if a family is wanting a patient to be fixed and their end-of-life care, and truly not able to be fixed, then that enters a, a realm of difficult questions and truth and honesty that comes out. So give our, our listeners out there a little bit of overall definition of what hospice care services is. In hospice care services, it's care that is given to patients with a terminal illness and um, six months or less to live. These patients that are given a diagnosis and um, a six months or less prognosis, these patients have an option to choose symptom and pain management in hospice care, and that can be rendered in the home, nursing home, assisted living facility. A lot of times uh, people don't understand hospice is a service that comes to you. It's not a service that you go to. And so... It's not an outpatient. Right. We come to the family where they are and the patient where they are. And it is to give patients the chance to be given quality of life and enjoy their time in the setting that they choose to do that in. And that is uh, given with nurses, social worker, aid, chaplain, and then also medical directors like Dr. Patton. So I, I, I think our listeners may have heard but probably don't know what it means is palliative care right right so explain to them what the difference of palliative care rather than being acutely treated to, to well, manage so the difference is if you're seeking curative measures I mean yeah. I think a lot of us would choose to be curative if we if we had the choice but there are some conditions that quite frankly are non-curative and so if a patient is no longer desiring or the family is no longer aggressive curative treatment then we start focusing on quality and palliation of symptoms, which is aggressive symptom management in the comfort of whatever setting they choose, such as if they want to be at home, and that's where hospice comes in. And so it's an entire level of service that meets them where they are. And that and that relates to you being the physician. You would pre- prescribe certain types of pain medication to relieve their pain yes, situation. You don't want them getting in agony at no, home. Or no, not at all. We're very aggressive with symptom management, whatever those symptoms may be. And so, you know, like we talked about the the roadblocks earlier sometimes they need to get in to see a physician and so there's a waiting list of three weeks well you don't want to wait three weeks while you're suffering if you've got a chronic a chronic condition that's essentially end of life a terminal diagnosis so the medical director is available to the nurses to discuss what those symptoms are treat them accordingly and then the medications will get delivered and we'll proceed with aggressive symptom management so i know our listeners out there are saying so dr Patton, when should i 
address the issue with my loved one that they should utilize hospice services. I mean, when they visit their physician and they're trying to do the curative measures and, and the physician does or does not tell them these might not work, we're going to wait three months, six months, whatever? I think there has to be transparency across the board from patients to family members to physicians so that before we ever go down that road of being terminal, we know what the long-term goals are. So, for example, my family, I've sat down and told them, should this happen, this is what I want. And I think if we can have those conversations early on, it helps take the burden of decision-making off of the caregiver and on to the patient when they are capable of making those medical decisions. Is that what you're trying to say, like a living will? Advanced directive, living will, yes. Yes, the sooner we can have those conversations, the better. Unfortunately, sometimes we we don't realize it until we get a terminal diagnosis that then in retrospect we should have made these decisions a lot earlier and so patients are no longer able to make those medical decisions for themselves and and then it falls to the usually the power of attorney or, or the primary caregiver to make those decisions um, but you know if, if you've got a condition that's not getting better you've got frequent hospitalizations you don't want to go back to the hospital you recognize your limitations with this condition you're not seeking curative aggressive treatment but you want aggressive symptom management then hospice is absolutely something you should consider so the the other aspect of of when there's no early or late and i had one i had one individual say well it's too late for my husband to get no it's never too late the benefit of hospice increases if we can get them on service earlier on and why is that because the relationships are built the relationships with the staff with the nurses with the chaplains with the social workers it's just a a tremendous amount of support that's offered to the patient and the caregivers and so the sooner we can start providing that support building those relationships the better the quality of care and 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 i'm i tell this individual you know, your your husband was in agony and pain, and you probably had to, I know she did, had to keep taking him back and forth to the ER as well. They could have had the palliative Absolutely. care done at home. Yeah, so the ideal length of stay for hospice is six months. And studies have shown that patients on hospice actually will live longer than live those longer. patients without hospice. Oh, because it's a little bit less stressful, right? You might it is, and, and the quality of care and the access to care is is improved because of the, the 24-hour nursing availability and medical director availability that you have with hospice. So I would say it's never too early, it's never too late, but the sooner we get them on service, the, um, the more care we can provide and the better experience it will be for everyone. So we're talking about knowledgeable. Uh, does, a, does an individual family or member, can they refer themselves to you directly without a physician? Absolutely. We take referrals from uh, families, uh, caregivers, anyone that feels like that a person could benefit from our services. It's about us getting an opportunity to sit in front of them and educate them about those services. And if the person decides, yes, that is something I want to move forward with, we can contact the physician and get an order and move forward from there. Well, Amanda, I know that your hospice is a very proactive and educates the public as well. But you know, and and that's critical because I, I can attest that there are many pastors have told me they recommend it to their own parishioners that this might be an opportunity to, for you and the family for your loved one to get hospice care services when possibly the physician never even thought about that. 
something. Yeah, it, or it, the nurse. There are some physicians um, and physician extenders that are not, they don't do hospice every single day, so they don't necessarily know what the guidelines are for a referral. But it, even if there's some question, you can always call hospice out to evaluate, and then we will make oh, that decision okay. if the patient is Great eligible point. to receive hospice services. So that's an important aspect of them, that to, to, to have an, a request to, to evaluate is critical. Right, and the, the request to evaluate does not necessarily mean request to admit. So a lot of times we'll just do an evaluation, and they may not be terminal at that point, and so we will continue to monitor them until they reach a point where we feel like they have a six-month life expectancy. So do they, Do they? Uh, uh, that's an interesting point, do they have to have their medical records or information? How do you as a physician... We would exam- request it from their physician okay, and would. go from there. Yeah, I'm, don't, most of them don't have it at home. No, <laughs> no, but, but we have ways to request that information. So, you know, that, that's that's important. And that's, and uh, before I forget, we're going to talk, we talked about hospice, but I, I will tell you that um, being an old, an old, I'm going to say old, home health care administrator, I had more people that were so confused. They thought we were hospice. Right. Or they thought the hospice was home health care. So explain to our listeners in brief terms what the differences of those two, two health care entities are. I think the biggest difference is the trajectory that the patient is on. When you're talking about hospice, they're on a trajectory that's with the expectation of a decline, with essentially death going to occur within a time period of most likely within the next six months. When you're talking about home health, typically those patients are expected to improve. So the level of care and the quality of care is going to be different because they're on a different trajectory, and that's the best way I know to describe it. And and there may be some similar types of care services provided, but not as extensive as possibly home health. They're going to get they're going to get PT, OT, etc. But most of the times, hospice won't give them that physical therapy. Well, actually, they can get therapy on hospice, but the goal is typically to alleviate symptoms, okay. um, not necessarily for patient improvement. Improvement to become more independent and become self self sustaining. Exactly. But no, I'm, I'm telling you, there's still people out there don't uh, get confused of hospice and home care and and then people say well uh, i think they're doing home care but in essence they're doing hospice care right. as some of the family members come around we right and the two can work together very well for instance if you have a patient on home health that's not necessarily improving or able to meet their goals that's a good time for hospice to come in and evaluate and then vice versa there are some specific pace, patient scenarios where they end up really improving and we say you know you you really aren't hospice appropriate at this point anymore and as much as we like having you on service you could probably benefit with home health and and uh, some additional treatment, and so we work together in that way. That's good. And one of the differences, too, is home health and hospice. Hospice is paying for medications related to the diagnosis and providing DME equipment, and that can be a very big struggle for patients that are on home health, and let's say that they're needing oxygen, but they may not qualify for that oxygen for some reason. And hospice care, if they need oxygen, we order oxygen because we're covering that under what we're doing, and so those services... Um, and I'll give you an example. A patient with COPD, they can't afford their medication. Mm-hmm. They are non-compliant. They're in and out of the hospital. And they come on hospice care, and we're paying for the medication. They're not only getting it, now they're taking it. They have their symptoms managed, and quality of life is achieved. Well, so that's how different that that can look with just that, that disease process. That is a major plus right there. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour. Here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. 
Murray's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Kiel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A Bears, Tenning Country Extra Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show are some special guests is Dr. April Patton, who is a hospice care physician, as well as Miss Amanda Rogers, and they're both with Regional Hospice Care Group that covers the Shreveport Bossier City area and the Minden area as well. And, uh, they are here to discuss hospice care services, being this is November and hospice care month throughout the throughout the world, they say, right? Thank you, Gary, for allowing us to come on here and talk about hospice. We appreciate the opportunity uh, to I, educate. I definitely want to educate more and more people about this. If we can just get one more individual family member to experience this for them and their loved ones. And, and you know, we're going to talk now about... Uh, we talked about referrals, so an individual that can ask their physician, hopefully their physician, will rec- refer it when it needs to be done, right? Right. And if that doesn't take place, then the family members and they others can... request can, an evaluation can, from hospice, and then hospice can make the determination of if, if admission is appropriate. So then you then you would... would uh, tell the physician, the attending physician, the physician of that patient, or you could actually admit them. Well, we could admit them. That we would get in touch with the attending physician, and they would work um, with myself, and we would go from there to evaluate. I mean, and there are instances yeah. where I, I will make a home visit to determine what the patient wants and that's where good, they are. That's a good question. Because I'm, I'm not, I, I should remember all these things, but I don't remember. Um, I actually ran a hospice uh, in New Orleans for, for a part-time period. Did you know that? No, I did not. And New Orleans. But the company sold all their hospices throughout the United States and I ran it for six months did not know a lot about it. knew about home care but didn't know a lot about hospice and uh, but they ended up selling it so that was good uh, which so is exactly why we're here you're a healthcare professional oh yeah, yeah and that's how extensive the understanding of what we do is and why it's important that we get a chance to explain this to families because healthcare professionals you can work in this for a long time and still there's so oh, much yes, not, there's you don't so know. much there's so much there's so, there's so much needed information out there so, when you get a patient in service, so tell tell our listeners how. I thought I was talking to Tony before. Tell us the process because I think people don't understand. If you have an eligible family member, a mother, a father, aunt, or uncle, so what's the process? Well, our goal is is to meet them where they are. So whether that's in the comfort, if if they're in the hospital, we will go to the hospital to discuss the next level of care. Whether that's in the home, uh, we meet them where they are. We bring a a team of usually it's a nurse to do an assessment to do an extensive medication review, sit down with the family, discuss what what are the advanced directives, if they have a living will, what are the goals, what are the expectations, and we try to meet them where they are and so we can provide the best care that, that they want. Um, we also work with the attending physician, so whether it's the medical director overseeing the care or the physician, the attending physician, we work together to make sure all the needs are met. As far as the actual process itself, it's a phone call away. So we set up a time that's good for the patient and the family. We will do the legal paperwork if they are wanting admission, and then we take care of all the nursing paperwork and get them get them set up to start receiving hospice services. It can be as quick as quickly as that day. So does their mother, I'm asking naive question here. So if their mother is possibly being admitted to hospice, do they have to get prior approvals? And a lot of people ask me that. Does Medigree have to bless this? Well, 
when a family is wanting to understand hospice, that is one process. So the explanation of the services does not require anything for us to have approved on. So we're not asking for any sort of an approval for us to explain services. Once services are explained, the patient and family are in the driver's seat at all times, and that's what's important. They then choose their physician that they want to follow them in their plan of care. That may be a primary care physician. They may go through a specialist. They may say that we would prefer to use your medical director. And so when they choose that physician, then that is the route that we go through in terms of getting uh, the order for hospice admission from that physician. And then that physician will then start directing care accordingly. If a uh, physician that's your primary care physician decides to follow you into the hospice line of care, that is when Dr. Patton and that physician collaborate on taking care of that patient and the um, attending physician takes lead on that and Dr. Patton is there for backup for that physician which then allows us the opportunity to work with these physicians um, in educating of what we do and so having her on our staff uh, allows us to be able to work with them that way and then her work with these patients but again it is the patient and family that are part of that care plan and are driving that of how that will work. Well, that, that that's awesome. I want to compliment you, Dr. Patton, for doing that. That that's that's hands-on care, but at the patient level, care too. It is. You meet them where they are, and you try your best to provide exactly what they need, when they need it, how they need it. Well, I'm thinking about a question that somebody asked me because uh, we're not that saturated in this area with uh, Medicare Part C HMOs. So, I have individuals saying they're 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 worried that they won't be able to get hospice or home care services if they have one of those Medicare special plans. Yeah, so on the managed care plans, this is how this works. Yeah. In hospice care, Medicare managed care plans do not matter because it reverts back to traditional Medicare. Oh, because it does. There, I didn't yes, know that. There is a Medicare hospice benefit. Okay. That Medicare hospice benefit holds true for all of those managed care plans. So right. where a lot of people have seen them their services being declined in other areas of health care mm-hmm. because of that that they've chosen. And hospice care, if you've got Medicare, you've got managed care, it's all the same for us. That needs to be advertised. Yes. Promoted. Because mm-hmm. I, I know in home care, if they're in an HMO or That's whatever, right. they cannot go to their home care they want to go to. That's right. And we've got home health <coughs> that have actually called us about referrals because they can't take care of the patient based on that reason. So it has affected home health. But in hospice, Medicare, Medicaid, private insurance, any of those we can take. And going back to your admission question on the criteria for hospice, there are essentially two criteria. The first one is that the patient has a terminal condition with a life expectancy of six months or less if the disease runs its normal course. The second part of that is that the the patient or the family chooses to elect the hospice benefit. Okay. And so if you've got those two criteria and a, and a physician who's stating that they they have a certification of terminal illness, then the admission can occur. It only requires one physician's certification. Right? Yes. Oh. Some programs require two or more, right? Well, for like a um, a, a DNR right. signature requires two physicians. And so that's why the hospices have a medical director that will collaborate with the attending physician and you will have two signatures on a lot of legal documents. Okay, so when does the first visit occur when you're in a hospital? If you're admitted, is it Usually it's the same day. Wow, that's very timely. And a lot of times it's at the time of admission. And then we can go to a frequency of daily visits. It just depends on what the patient's needs are. Daily visits. Sometimes it will be twice a week. We It's very much patient-driven and specific to the care.
care of that patient. And what, don't you also educate the family members that might be around their, their mother or their father? You educate them a little oh, bit? Oh, absolutely. Yes, we have to. We, we are, we're giving them the tools to take care of their family in the comfort of their home, being at their when they call and they need us to answer those questions. But everything is just preparing them to take care of them. And it's extremely important for us to understand that when we're talking about taking care of these patients in the home and what is the difference in one hospice and the next because we're talking about what regional hospice does with these families and we're talking about what the frequency of visits for us is making visits often in the beginning is very common and very a lot of visits towards the end is very common for us and so the higher frequency of visits yields better patient satisfaction for us which has given us an elite status that is awesome. And so um, it, it's important for people to know that when you're talking about hospice in general, interview these hospices, ask these types of questions, and understand the services that are being given to you because Medicare requirements are much less than what we do. So we are. So that's why you get that excel. That's, uh, yes. that's why you excel there. You go over and beyond the requirement, which is uh, great. When a provider does that, I'm tickle pink. Yes. And I think all the all your your public out there really appreciates going that extra step. Absolutely. And uh, I compliment you on that as well. Thank you. Uh, going, but going back to coverage, I think still again, some people feel that I shouldn't put mom in that program. Maybe she just needs home care, or 24-hour nursing rather than hospice. Do you, do you see some of those patients like that who do that? I, I do. The What I would encourage them to consider is that the level of care is different from the frequency of visits, the nursing assessments, the, the patient needs. You know, we're able to manage the patient with a very hands-on approach. So the nurses will go see them, make a phone call to me, and they're, they're managed within that day typically, or at least we're making efforts to manage them. Um, on the contrast, if you're looking at a, at a nursing facility with 24-hour nursing care, they have a much higher nurse-to-patient ratio. So the, they just don't get the same level of care, not because they don't want to provide that, but just time constraints and the workload. It just It's not the, it's not the environment to handle a high-acuity hospice-appropriate patient. And, and in, in the hospice patient, you know, some people may want it for their loved one, 24-hour care, but it's really not necessary. It's not. It's not. Like well, Amanda some said. Of these, some of these are ambulatory, right? Yes. Yes, they can be. Some of them take trips. And we encourage that. We want to focus on quality of life and whatever makes them happy. We're going to be an advocate to try to make that happen for them. Okay, let's let's bring up one more important topic because I've, I hear this rumor dispel rumors. My mother is not homebound, so she won't be eligible. That does not matter. We follow them wherever they go. And under hospice. Under hospice. So if she's driving or she wants to take those trips, it's not going to disallow her. No, it's not. We will try to coordinate so that we can make the nursing visits that need to be made so we can do do the assessments that she needs to properly care for her. But that is not a requirement for hospice. And if she wants to go travel for the holidays, we call a hospice in that area to go and be on standby to make visits. So, I mean, it's very common. We've got a patient now that's going to be heading out to see family for the holidays we'll make contact with another hospice so they'll be on standby oh that's awesome and that makes them have a good quality of life right then and there they need it it may be the last christmas they get to enjoy with their family the family and you know it's probably more difficult for 
for the family to come see them, her, but she can go see them probably much and see more family members. Absolutely. And these are the conversations we have on day one at admission. What are the goals? What's important to you? What do you want? So that we kind of have an avenue that we know we're driving down to try to get them exactly what they want. Well, I had, let's, let's talk quickly about another. Just uh, somebody told me that she she's um, her mother uh, uh, under hospice care hurt herself. I think they either broke a leg or something, and she, they were so worried about having to take her into the physician because they're going to dis- discharge her from hospice care service. She would never get her hospice care. So well, you can go into hospital, right? You, you can will, you will absolutely. Be in an acute episode, absolutely. We're going to manage the patient and whatever that patient needs, and sometimes if they have a, a femur fracture and they're yeah. on hospice for COPD, then they have to go to the hospital. And we had a patient recently who had a hip who had a hip replacement. So um, everything we do is very patient specific and patient driven. Oh, that, that that's important. So, but again, hospitalization is not a determination factor that the person, the patient, no longer needs hospice care. Service. Well, and, and that's the thing that we get boxed in on. Hospice is not about no, can't, and won't. Hospice <laughs> is about let's look at what makes sense for you because you're in the driver's seat and this is your benefit to navigate how you would like to do it. So if a patient is needing hospitalization for something that needs to be managed in a hospital setting, we have options of doing inpatient hospice in that hospital or we have the option for the patient to go into the hospital, have what they need done, and then to come out. So So the other aspect of um, the services that you receive, of course you get nursing services, but let's talk real briefly. You also, and I I do remember you. If you need therapy services, you get them, right? Yes, yes. There's the therapy, therapy. There's social worker. There's also chaplain services. Oh, and home care doesn't offer chaplain services. <laughs> That's right. And then therapy is given to patients that um, I'll give you an example. Uh, a young patient that had glioblastoma, and the patient was wanting to be able to transfer himself from the bed to a chair, and he would just wanted the dignity of being able to do that on his own. He was given physical therapy to do that, and that was a dignity thing for him. Uh, he was a veteran, and he that he, it was important to him. And so our care goals are met around what makes sense for that patient. And so therapy is often not utilized in hospice because it doesn't make sense for a patient. But in a time that it does, it can be accessed and, and utilized for that patient. So the, the, the requests either come from the family or from the patient themselves. Absolutely. It's like a hint to the nurse or the it's them being in the drive, it's them given, being Uh-oh. given permission from day one to be in the driver's seat and to tell us and be open with us about what they want and what they need. And and, that, and then that's important to, to tell them up front that whatever you want is what we want to try to provide you, right? That's right. So it's not a, we don't want to hear from you. We're, we're here, going to come in, come out, don't you? I mean, I, I hate No, we want to hear that. from them. We want to know what's important to them so we can try and make it happen. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel. Proudly presented by Abers, Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. 
Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by Abear, Sending Country Race Report, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is Dr. April Patton, who is a hospice care physician with Regional Hospice Care Group, as well as Miss Amanda Rogers. And both of them are with the Regional Hospice Group here in the Shreveport and Bossier City area, as well as covering the Minden area. Is that correct? That is correct. That's a large area to cover. Yes, we cover northwest Louisiana. That's a, and you've been around a long time. A very highly regarded hospice in the area. And as you got accolades. Tell us about the accolades. So we've been given elite status. That From means uh, Medicare requires us to um, have a evaluation sent to patient family caregivers after Whoa. a patient passes. Okay. And once that uh, is sent out, that is, the family fills it out, sends it back in, and that elite status is given to uh, a very few hospice companies, and that means that we have been given satisfaction scores that um, far exceed what the expectations were for those. The average expectation yeah. or something. Um, so the elite status yeah. is given to us for that, and so um, we we're very proud of that. Our team is phenomenal. We've got uh, nurses that have done this for a long time, social workers, chaplains, aides. Uh, we have an aide that works with us that bathed my grandmother 10 years ago. Aww. And so when you have staff that are have been with you for so long, they're excellent at what they do. And they're that just experienced. Goes to show they've that. been there and done that yes. as a scenario. So they, they know what to do, what not to do. That's and, right. And, but there is a match, just like at home care, right? There is a match with, with hospice nurses and hospice Absolutely. Staff. There's a passion that goes along with it. No one goes into hospice unless they truly love it. Yeah, there's a different match uh, because you have nurses, even physicians have that. Right. Have that particular life. Right, you have to be comfortable with the end of life. You have to become, and that that's a scary topic. And a lot of uh, patients, families, physicians, a lot um, caregivers, they want to avoid that that topic, that conversation, well, that care. Don't tell me that, doc. Every doctor that goes to medical school should have that particular course. You know, it, it's unfortunate we don't have adequate training in end of life care. Hmm. We don't. We we are trained to fix people. And when we do communities talks, we plan for everything in life. Weddings, graduations, right. everything. Dying, it's just not something we plan for or talk about. And it's the one thing that we know is going to happen. It's going to happen. Very yeah. good about it. That's a good, 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 uh, good analogy there. No, and uh, I think it's important. A lot of people, uh, I'm sure, let's talk about this one, the, the, the misnomer when people say, I don't want to put my mother on hospice. That's, that means she's going to die soon, like tomorrow. Yeah, we hear that so often when we go out and meet with families. And what I explain to them is hospice is not indicative of death. It, we're not in charge of that. We're in charge of pain and symptom management. The diagnosis and prognosis were given before we ever walked in the door. True. We're there to make it the best possible scenario for the family and the patient. And once they experience that, then the surveys have come back and said that it's a, it's a wonderful experience. And so, you know, our goal is to turn lemons into lemonade and let's make the best situation that we can because if the only thing we have control of is effective symptom management, let's do that the best way that we can do it. So, 
let's let's go go further on that is when when an individual says well can I get all these same services uh, elsewhere like in a nursing home can I just put my mother in a nursing home and and get get this same type of service why, why don't I don't want to have it at home she's gonna be bothering us and she's gonna be around I mean it's sad you hear that sometimes yeah and, and families can you know if they want to go into a nursing home we will help them figure out what nursing home makes the most sense for them and render care in a nursing home setting because it's not always in the best interest of the patient and family to be at home. They may not want to do that. And so we want to provide resources and avenues to get the best care so for the patient. it could be patient. traumatic on the little grandkids or whatnot yeah. that may be in the area. That's the only house that they're in. Absolutely. There's a lot of reasons. And one of the things that we can do is, is if we are in a home setting and the family has reasons to not want to be home, is we can do respite care, which we pay for five days in a nursing home. Oh, I and, didn't know that. Yeah, and so respite care can be provided. That allows the patient to determine, is this something I'd like to do long term? It gives the family a break, and respite can be utilized for absolutely any reason. So if a, a caregiver wants to go on vacation, if a caregiver's had something come up, for whatever reason they're needing a break, the patient can go in for five days of respite care. Wow, that is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. You need to heavily promote that. I, I, this is something new. I've never heard of this one benefit before. Yeah. Is this a special benefit only regional hospice? No, it's a it's a across the board. All hospices provide four but, levels of care. They provide general hospice care. They provide inpatient, continuous, and respite. And respite is one of those four levels. But the family member and patient they had be a, need to be aware of it, and hopefully you have a proactive nurse and physician that will say, you might want to consider this oh, option. The social worker, that's a big part of their role, and when we go in and talk to a family about hospice care, we explain to them those four levels of care, and then the social worker follows in behind us to evaluate the need for respite and offer that when it's appropriate. We're very proactive instead of reactive when it comes to anticipating what the needs will be so that so that all the I's will be dotted and the T's will crossed when the time comes and they need respite. So the uh, another aspect of somebody saying, what happens if I need uh, my my mother or father is having is having anxiety attacks, etc. They're at home, they're in their they're in their the bed, the hospital bed at home, and it's two o'clock in the morning and they can't control him. Is hospice available twenty four hours a day? Absolutely. We have a, a, a on-call nursing staff, CNA staff, and physician 24 hours a day. And, and in that particular scenario, you try to inform the caregiver what to do for their loved one? Typically, they will call the service, and the nurse will call them back and kind of walk them through the symptoms and the, and the next plan of plan of care that needs to be implemented. And then if we can't get the symptom managed or if we feel like we don't have a clear picture of exactly what's going on, then we'll make a visit at any point in the night. Usually, sometimes it's within really? 15, 30 minutes of the phone call to have the nurse out there to assess the situation. And then they will either manage it or if they feel like they can't, they'll call contact me or the attending if they need to get new orders. Well, I'm impressed. I mean, that, that it's is, an incredible service. That That is so impressive. Yeah, I mean, to and, not and, have to go to the ER in the middle yeah, of the well, night. I'm, I'm yeah. just thinking about what home health does. But when, when I had the, <laughs> that we didn't, very rarely did we send a base, uh, nurse out at 2 o'clock in the morning. Right. We told them to go to the ER. And mm-hmm. No, we get evaluated. a team update every single morning of the night, the call from the night before, so we know exactly what's going on. And then if the nurse needs to make a follow-up visit after managing the symptoms through the night, then we can go from there. But, but based upon my a little experience of having family members in hospice, 
because your nurses were great in educating the care, all the all the caregivers, not just the one care primary right. care. They did a lot of backup. It's a team approach. It's and a team it approach was, from wonderful. regional hospice, from the families, from all the caregivers involved, from the sitters to the patient. It's everybody. Well, no, that's that's the important thing is you you you, you can't be there 24 hours a day. You, you're on call, but still you have to educate those family members to right. to make sure that the the, the person right up. and no one is functioning independently of the other one. So the I think we talked about this, but this is one of the things that uh, I hear from the naysayers is uh, the family member uh, the family member died within only getting a few days of hospice care. And they're, they're saying, oh, they should have yes. been admitted to hospice. And that's very unfortunate. And that, that's those very short length of stay from a late referral, which I think leads to the misperception that hospice means dying and hospice is the last resort when that's truly not the case. And that comes from the benefit of early referrals, having those patients on census six months ahead of time so that we can truly build those relationships and provide the support that these patients and the families need. And, and, and the, the, you know, again, the earlier the better. I mean, even if you're saying today, which I'm going to mention to everybody, that you offer free evaluation for, for a family member. I mean, that is a remarkable service that uh, the people the people need to know. They need to call, contact you, and I'll give you a quick plug. Regional Hospice Cares with their phone number is 524-1046. Is that correct? That's correct. 524-1046, and you can call them, and in case you have a family member, or if you're a priest or a pastor out there, you might want to have a, 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 fam, a parishioner that might be needing services, there's no harm in getting evaluated. That's right. Knowledge is power. And to make very good decisions for your health care is to be knowledgeable and understanding what your options are. And until you sit down and meet with us, that has not happened for you yet. So meeting with us allows you to have that option. Okay. The other, we don't have probably enough time, but what are the common diagnoses for hospice admission? Congestive heart failure, COPD, any of the cancers there's there's a whole list of diagnoses that are appropriate for later hospice. stages in Alzheimer's is that absolutely in stage Alzheimer's disease in stage Parkinson's the list goes on and on if you would not be surprised that a person that you know would not be here in six months they need to be talking to us oh but, so that, but it's again prognosis. it's prognosis but again uh, uh, I know of people on hospice that have been on a year mm-hmm. sometimes even longer right that they were still in hospice and, they do and, and, and we take them gradually going downhill, but right. it is a gradual... Right. It's a slow, a gradu- gradual decline, and we continue to provide the care that they and need. That, that, was, that person lived a yeah. wonderful, you know... In, in scenarios, you'll have patients who live several years on hospice. That they you know that's I mean, I'm, and what enlightenment they're they're with their family members Absolutely. that particular long it's quality that that long of a time. So again, for more information, contact the regional hospice care group. Their phone number is four two four ten forty six. That's four two four five two four one zero four six. You can visit their offices located at. Um, we are located over uh, on Fern Avenue um, and right on top of the Indigo Indian Restaurant. And we are located in Minden next to Fairway Carts. So you can come see us there. But remember, we come to you. That's right. So that's you right. give us a call and we'll come to you. Well, thank you, Amanda. And thank you, Dr. Patton, for thank being you on for the, the radio thank show today. You. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A-Bears, Sending Country Race Report, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Keel. 
Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, here on News Radio 710 Keel. Thank you for listening to our show today. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy, The Best of Times, at one of our 522 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show today. I'm Gary Coligas, wishing you and yours the best of times, both today and every day. Have a great day. Thank <laughs> you.